Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Broken Axle. Once again this week, uh, your host as always, Steve, Craig the Norwegian Giant, and again tonight from California. And we've got Redbeard joining us, Justin S. Alrighty. Tonight's episode, we're going to talk about uh, a topic that's been going around a little bit. People are talking about uh, a new Cash for Clunkers program. For everybody that don't remember the original one, it was the Car Allowance Rebate System. It's a $3 billion program from a few years back that, uh, in my personal opinion, was a complete and utter failure. But uh, we're going to talk about what happened then, why it went down the way it went down, and uh, either maybe some ideas about how it could be better if they decided to do it again, or just why we shouldn't do it again, or if somebody's got some suggestions about why we should, uh, you know, hit us up in the comments. I'd be happy to talk about it if somebody has an idea of a good way to do this. Let's see, starting off, just to, uh, in the interest of fairness, make sure everybody's clear about the original requirements of the Cash for Clunkers program. So the original requirement, uh, the vehicle had to be less than 25 years old, had to be traded in on a new vehicle, or a five-year lease of a new vehicle, which I don't think that that's a thing. I've never known anybody to do a five-year lease. And the trade-in vehicle had to get less than a 18-mile-per-gallon combined requirement for gas mileage, and the new vehicle had to get greater than 22 miles per gallon. So... Do we have to talk about this? <laughs> yeah. Well, so uh, I, got... I feel that we need to because people are talking about how good, air quote, the program was originally. And oh, they're wrong. Yeah. All of them are wrong. I have I have I have an hours like I could solo on this topic just ranting into the mic about how much I hate Uh-oh. this program. The 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 bigger issue here is more political than it is car related, so I'll just say one sentence on it. But I don't think the government should be trying to stimulate the economy the way they are. And political section, uh, I didn't like it because you're now just taking away um, a, a society that loves vehicles, and you're saying, hey, for the normies out there, you can get rid of this car that might have some value to someone else, but instead we'll take it and we have to crush it. They didn't even give the junkyards a chance to part it out. Right, which I feel like that's one of the many areas where the government fails anyway is how they execute certain things. Um, and this is yeah. one of those areas I feel like they failed greatly on because like, they could have done all this and stimulated like the new car market while also stimulating like parts and stuff. And like I just, you know, there were so many good cars that I can remember like on those trucks going to wherever those cars went. Uh, and, you know, for, for no real reason other than, oh, they gave me more money for it, you know? Right. I mean, that was cars that would have been completely serviceable, good cars that uh, got taken out of service. And in my opinion, people that maybe weren't even in the market for a new car, but just saw the opportunity to ditch their old car and get a new car for effective uh, air quote here, free, uh, I've never ranted on this one on air, but I strongly believe it. Nothing from the government is free. Just throwing that one out there. Uh, the other, yeah, I mean, go, go ahead. ahead 
So the other killer is that uh, for, and I guess I should have covered this initially in the requirements of the program, but part of the requirement was that the vehicle had to be destroyed, not just traded in and sent to the junkyard. Because I could have almost, I don't know that I would have been okay with the program, but I could have almost been okay. But they were required to have their engines disabled. Uh, And the disablement process was described in detail. Uh, I was actually working at a dealership when this happened the first time. Uh, Motor oil was drained out and replaced with a solution, uh, sodium silicate, and run until the engine seized, usually at about 2,000 RPM or so. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, it it hurt to do, honest to God. I was at a dealership, and it's just any with with any amount of mechanical empathy just feels bad running the procedure at two, you know, running the engine at two grand with sodium in the oil and just waiting on it to and lock up. Yeah, I mean, because like to me too, the flip side, you know, their whole idea was like being uh, environmentally conscious, right? Right, but. You know, recycle, like recycling in general is one of the best ways you can do something. And yeah, like all this keep is, using the car. <laughs> right. You know, and, and all like stuff like that was doing was to make it so it could never be reused. Like it has to be basically completely dismantled, melted down, which uses all of these other resources to be remade into whatever they needed to steal from. Right. Yeah, I could have. Uh, I don't know that I would have agreed with it even then, but I could have gotten with the program if they were forced. Uh, you know, if they were just via title destroyed, right? Rendered right. unusable via title. Because then they'd still be good cars, right? You just have to, you know, they get turned into race cars or uh, bought as parts cars. Yeah, and in in keeping availability of parts in the U.S. actually is more economically healthy for society, uh, for nature as well, because the 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 greenhouse gases, a carbon footprint, or whatever bullshit you want to throw at me, it's already been done. The parts have already been made. Turns out, keeping your car on the road longer by using parts that have already been made is more healthy for the environment than it is going out and buying a brand new lithium powered whatever, right? Right. the empowered wonder mobile i'm yeah, gonna quote right. that one at some point these super magic jujus that use exotic materials well guess what exotic materials are not you know simple cast iron right you just you don't pull it out of the ground hammer it into place a couple of times then give it to the public you gotta chemically treat it you gotta saturate it you know whatever else it's stuff that's not nature friendly and these people who are like oh yeah, we're gonna 100%. get rid of non-fuel right. efficient vehicles for the sake of stimulating the economy and doing the green thing or whatever else it's 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 completely and utterly ludicrous i absolutely hate this <laughs> i absolutely hate it it makes no sense to me and being a fellow you know junkyard fan i love junkyards because i love seeing what's out there and what's usable you know a second chance at life so to speak right well and that's my thing i mean that's one thing i love doing is just going and looking especially at older salvage yards you know like oh hell yeah and seeing like the history that that represents and, you know, we're going to have, like, like, we'll never have that opportunity with, like, all these cars now. Yeah. And uh, for yeah. those of you out there who may not know about it, but Steve Mignanti of uh, Motor Trend Background has a TV show called uh, Junkyard Gold, where he actually does exactly that. He finds 
obscure or rare vehicles in the junkyard. And not only does he talk about the vehicle, but he also talks about the history involving with that vehicle. If you could see what kind of, you know, AC unit they had at the time or how they would have modified a car to suit the relative time period in, in history. Um, absolutely brilliant show. But and to get more of a feel of what we're talking about as well is that the car doesn't tell you just, you know, what the car is, but also how people lived and survived at the time. Right. Oh, sure. Yeah, right. Free shout yeah, out. I like him anyway. <laughs> yeah, like that was actually the show I had in mind because I mean, yeah. I'm a big fan of that show too. Did, did you, you know, guys and... know he built a Fairmount uh, gasser using a Ford mod motor and velocity stacks? He is now like that much cooler in my mind. Like, blew my head. <laughs> he really is. Like, I didn't know about that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know yeah. that. He moved up like three notches because I thought he was just a repertoire of, you know, random useless knowledge, which I'm a big fan of. I mean, random useless knowledge is. Yeah, pretty awesome. I mean, he's an official he's an official historian, right? So he knows a lot of things dating back to the, the 1940s, I guess. But as is his own mechanicing abilities, he's not, you know, uh, a track car driver, but apparently he's built a lot of these gassers. I want to see this thing go against the crusher. It makes 500 horsepower for being a mod motor with velocity stacks. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. That would be pretty awesome, I think. Total tangent, but I'm about it. Hey, uh, just to bring this back on topic. Uh, that totally wouldn't be possible if somebody had crushed that or if somebody had uh, cash for clunkers to his donor car. Right. Right. Yeah. All the you know, and and honestly, too, I mean, I know there's always that gearhead thing with cash for clunkers where, oh, my God, they just, you know, ruined, you know, this car, that car, whatever. But I mean, realistically, like, like that's the stuff that gets people more involved in stuff. Right. Like, you know, being creative in the garage is where. I feel like most of us have built our careers on to begin with. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah. you know, and, and when you basically had this program that, I mean, roughly ruined the used, not just the used car and used part market, but, you know, all of those creative things that people do with random car parts and everything like that, it, it just, it made all those a lot more expensive and harder to find. Yeah. So that's a big thing, right? Uh, and, you know, I'll uh, maybe talk about this because I was at the dealer when this stuff was happening. I crushed a lot of cars, or not crushed, but uh, disabled a lot of engines that I felt bad about. <laughs> I was telling Craig about we actually uh, disabled a Regal T-Type, a 3.8 turbo Regal T-Type at the dealer I was working at. Yep. It was oh it was horrific God. to watch. Yep. We well, and that's the problem. I mean, how many of those do you think across the country got turned in? I mean, Grand Nationals, t-types you know even a lot of the cooler you know like like second third gen camaros you know i mean how many iroc probably got crushed and turned in you know? I heard, probably not I, that I, had even I mean heard... this one was kind of a rusty turd but i mean how it's still a t-type like how much of a turd can it be <laughs> yeah right. well my I, thing I, is i mean how many of those cars were rusty garbage though right that's yeah. a, that's actually a, a very valid point there may be more than i'm thinking i had heard you know, that like I even mean, like NSX has got turned in, you know. Um, RX-8s obviously got crushed. Um, yeah, like like I mean, stuff the, on the I other side of the house in the nineties. Yeah, no one's surprised. Um, stuff well, on the I other mean, side. Car wise, I feel like we lost a lot. Motor wise, not so much. Yeah, all those LS swap <laughs> candidates. <laughs> right. Well, right. Like your um, even your uh, late model uh, Dodge Dakotas. Like how many RTs got crushed? Um, 
all those trucks from the 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 ninety nine to however long, like those were all gas guzzlers, yeah. right? But those are all LS. And so Justin's already going to touch on this, but it's also a big thing, right? Not just for us gearheads, although I'm sure we can all list all kinds of stuff that got crushed that would have been amazing projects. But uh, mm-hmm. aside from the effects on us, uh, it absolutely decimated the bottom end of the used car market. Yeah. Right. So yeah. prior to Cash for Clunkers, uh, it was not hard to find $1,000 shit boxes that ran and drove. Good. Yep. You know, not some undesirable, you know, just undesirable cars in general. Uh, insert whatever 80s American, 80s to early 90s American shit box you want. You could find a crappy version of it for under a thousand bucks pretty easily. But uh, all of those, because they weren't worth anything, right? Like nobody, uh, for those of us that are a little older, I think Justin's close to my age. He probably remembers this one too. Uh, 4.3 powered G bodies. Yeah. Used to be effectively worthless. Yeah. Like that was something yeah, you saw sitting in somebody's yard for like $800. I mean, you know, or even cheaper. I mean, but one thing that pops into my head that I know a lot probably did was like the, you know, the A86s, right? Like those, what was it, 84 to 87 Corollas. Yeah. You know? Were they, were they, did they get a low enough gas mileage rating to get turned in on that program? I mean, I, I know I saw a big difference in how many were out there. I mean, you know, before, I mean, you could find even a GTS for a $1,000. You know, and then all of a sudden they all dried up and then, you know, drifting happened and the drift packed on them. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, but I mean, I remember, you know, you know, around where I grew up, we had this, you know, basically like classified dad. What about classified dad? Maybe his phone timed out. Do, 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 do. Hi, welcome back. back. Okay. Um, Minor hiccup. I don't know where it dropped off, but... um, Yeah, you're talking about the classified ad in your local hometown? Yeah. um, You know, and it had, I mean, all sorts of, of like, that, you know, gen stuff, you know, like the the late 80s, early 90s, you know, in kind of boxes, you know, Japanese, American, it didn't matter. Um, And... Like, it went from being, like, you know, 10, 15 pages every month to, like, two pages after Catch for Clunkers. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that was my thing, right? Uh, I mean, I, we're not, well, hell, we're not all that famous in the first place, but for the few people that listen to us, uh, we're not trying to convince gearheads that Catch for Clunkers was a bad idea. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's long since been done. Right. But for the people that aren't gearheads out there, right, this isn't just for us. It's bad for the used car market in general. Even if you don't care about buying something cool, you just want to be able to buy a fucking uh, Cherokee or an Explorer or whatever, and not pay an idiotic amount of money for a used one. Well, I mean, right. This is this is why. Right, and that honestly touches on something that is probably true. I mean, Cherokees got hit real hard with this. Oh yeah, they used to be near worthless as well. Right. Yeah. You know, and you know, and think about how long those the the four cylinder the four liter uh, straight sixes went. You know, and how many of those got destroyed that could have been good, usable motors? Yeah. 
how many of those could have been good cars, right? It, to me, XJs right. are a great, not even a gearhead car. They're just a great car. As right. A, I mean, they're just dead reliable. Transporter. Right? Like, yeah, right. They just work good. You know, and I mean, you know, there was a time when you could pick up a pretty nice, you know, XJ Cherokee for $800, $1,000, and it didn't need work. Like, it, it, it was fine. It just, they weren't worth anything. So uh, just uh, for edification here, I've got the top 10 trade-in vehicles. Okay. Under cash for clunkers from the USDOT website. Mm-hmm. And, uh, God, this, this hurts my soul. So just going through the list, 1 to 10, and then we'll talk about them for a second. Uh, Ford Explorer. Okay. Four-wheel drive. Ford F-150 two-wheel drive. Grand Cherokee. Explorer two-wheel drive. Grand Caravan. The XJ, the Blazer, C1500, that would have been the two-wheel drive uh, Chevy Silverado, except before the Silverado, so a muscle truck era. Right, like square bodies and stuff. Yeah, Uh, F-150, again, and the Windstar minivan. I don't know how that one got in there. (laughs) Because Ford made a shit ton of them, they aren't worth anything. (laughs) Right. Fair point. So yeah, uh, Grand Cherokees also, uh, while not a huge gearhead vehicle, they're actually a pretty good uh, everyday driver for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Several varieties of Explorer, Blazer, Cherokees. Uh, the Grand Caravan, like that one shocked me. I mean, well, but I turf. think there were a lot of people they're trying to get stuff. rid of those, though. I mean, to be fair. That's fair. Yeah. Fair point. You know, Still, I mean, eight, those would have been out of 10 on that list were actually fantastic vehicles that were absolutely right. serviceable. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, I mean, like, go ahead, Justin. Go ahead, Greg. You know, even like the uh, the, the Wind Stars. You know, those actually were relatively decent vehicles. You know, Ford made a bunch of them, and you know, they were normal. You know, kind of Ford garbage, I'll say. But you know, if I remember right, they were rear wheel drive. Yeah, they were based on the Ranger platform. Yeah. Right. And, I mean, that, you know, they were good, solid, reliable vehicles as far as I'm aware of because most of them had the 2.9 V6 in them, yeah? Uh, Sorry, Uh, depending. Quick quick take. Retcon that. Uh, The Aerostar was actually the Ranger-based rear-wheel drive one with the 2.9. Yeah. The Windstar was the slightly later front-wheel drive V6. Uh, somewhat related to the Taurus, yeah, oh, okay. which had which had the same uh, Essex and Vulcan V sixes, and then the world famous super shitty AXO D um, automatic that caused issues, which is probably why they were clashed for clunkered out. Right, very possible. So yeah, so maybe not that one then. Like yeah, um, still eight out of ten. There's two vans in there that were kind of like, eh, those might be junk. Yeah, but like yeah, the but trucks. I mean, like trucks itself are like the backbone of the United States, right? And like any kid who right. sees an abandoned truck at the side of the road, he's maybe got fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars worth of stuff and can make it running again. You know how awesome is that, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's one thing too. I mean, always have a place. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and realistically, right? Like a thousand dollar truck is always worth a thousand dollars. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, and for, like, for the great majority of us, right, not like professional guys, but for just homeowners and stuff that need a truck, 
honestly, a thousand dollar truck can do everything a ten thousand dollar truck can do. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and you if know, it, but... it has a V eight and it makes V eight noises, all the better, right? Right. <laughs> Which I mean, honestly, most of those on that list probably would. I mean, you know, yeah, the F one fifties. I'm sure of that era. I mean, those were solid trucks, right? Um, yeah, those were the nineties. Uh, was that ninth generation F one fifties? Yeah. Yeah. Before they got plasticky and stupid. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, and, and that's Rollins one thing. I mean, has, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, because all the, the C1500, because I believe that moniker would have carried up until the mid 90s. Yeah, we had uh, 99 started. Uh, 90, 88 to 98 was the Silverado. Right. So is the, the C15 before that then? Yeah, the C1500 oh. would be prior to 88. So it's it's dead nuts in the square body then because after that you had the OBS the old body style right. and then yeah, ninety nine to eighty eight to ninety seven be the OBS but those I believe yeah. are actually called Silverados. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, well, so, yeah. and that's crazy that's the thing. I mean, just body. think about how like those are arguably America's truck, right? I mean, right. You know, when somebody pictures truck, they kind of picture a square body, like a square body. Yeah, Chevy, it's like got a flat front end, wide white hood and long bed right you know i mean those trucks have put many many americans back to work you know yeah for sure and that that rolls into another topic about the whole like cash for clunkers got rid of all the lower tier cars that weren't worth anything and now with the way that the the market has been as far as pricing right, and cost under the, uh, under the guise the, of the used car market good yeah, the, the used car market has gotten to the point now where I can't, as a homeless guy or a guy who just lost his job, I can't go out and get a $500, $1,500 jalopy that gets me reliable transportation to work. And if I can't work, I can't make money. Um, and it's created this weird market situation where if you – if and this might be a United States issue only and not like a global issue, but if you don't have a ride, you don't have a job, right? Most right. places, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean, and I do think that might be something more unique to America versus, you know, places like Germany or, or you know, even, you know, the UK. Um, but yeah, I mean, realistically, I can't remember the last time I've seen a running driving car cheaper than $1,000, you know. It's, it's hard to find. Uh, one of our episodes a few weeks ago was uh, on coronavirus uh, stimulus check project cars for under $1,200 and it's, it's hard to find shit, not just absolute garbage for under 1200 bucks. And it didn't right. used to be that way. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, you used to be able to buy a relatively decent car, you know, for 500 or to a thousand dollars, you know, I bought many a $500 shit box that actually ran and drove great. That just was, uh, you know, either undesirable or, uh, just an undesirable model it was fugly, something like that. Right. Lost holes, was the Chevy Malibu from the early 2000s? <laughs> uh, no, although I did buy a Chrysler Sebring for 300 bucks one time. Yeah, that's <laughs> same thing, right? I, I paid too right. much. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and that's the thing. I mean, the, the economic uh, issues that that ends up creating for most of Americans, like it, it makes them unable to help themselves. And that's yeah. where I personally feel like we should be putting this emphasis is we need to help have, like help these people help themselves versus giving them stuff, you know? Yeah. 
And the 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 other funny thing about that too is that like you can compare the Cash for Clunkers initiative to like what Singapore and Japan does on trying to keep their economy bolstered by reinforcing that you should have a newer car and if you have a car over xyz amount of age i think in singapore you're not allowed to have it without special permission which is just more money for the government and in japan they increase taxes which again is more money for the government so they try really hard to have you keep you know buying newer vehicles but what that does is now all of a sudden your equivalent of the 500 hundred dollar vehicle in the u.s for those countries those vehicles don't exist, period. So what do you do if you don't have money for a vehicle? You take mass yeah, transit. I feel like it's a little bit of an unfair comparison, though, because for most of them, uh, having a vehicle is not a requirement for work. Right. Yeah, yeah. Their mass, their public transit system is well, way more structured. Well more structured. Right. Yeah, and, so, and honestly, even in America, I mean, you know, certain cities like Chicago comes to mind, like Chicago has a really good mass transit system. And if you live in the city and work in the city, like it's honestly probably cheaper for you not to have a car, you know, but for, you know, for a lot of America, I'd probably say 90 plus percent of the counties in America. Yeah. Like having a car is just a like requirement to have a job. Yeah. Like even down here in San Diego, we don't have a good mass transit system. The, the MTR or MTA or whatever they call it doesn't go to everywhere that the, the city has jobs at. It goes to major hubs, sure, but you still have, you have to, to live somewhere that has access as well, right? So that drives up the price of living in the places that have access. Yeah, so or you live in National City and stuff just gets stolen all the time because all the homeless people live here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just like it's it's uh it's a revolving you know negative cycle there. It's that if you don't have money, can't get a job. You have even less money. You know, what do you do with yourself? Yeah. So uh, any thoughts on how if uh, this because right, we started this because the discussion has been going around about another cash for clunkers program. And that discussion got started because uh, several automotive manufacturers are bad off in the tank because uh, of the Rona, uh, you know, sales have been slow to non-existent. Oh, darn. Right. Any thoughts on uh, a way that a similar program could be implemented that would not be the absolute cluster that the first one was? I don't think there's any clean way of doing it. Um, in in the one mindset, if I have a piece of shit jalopy that's been sitting out in my yard and I want to get rid of it, but you know all these tow companies will charge me to take it away, um, now I get this initiative where I can bring it in and get you know, 500 bucks or a trade-in for something else newer. Where does that money come from? Well, it comes back from the government, right? And the government stuff that we yeah. pay taxes to. So again, they're printing money, and that just sends the economy into a bigger spiral. Um, so there's no good way of funding the whole program in the first place. And B, you know, oh, we need to help these car companies out because COVID made them stop, you know, doing whatever. We just lost Hertz, right? The car rental companies now declared bankruptcy, and they're what? selling all their vehicles. Uh, American yeah. Airlines has already declared bankruptcy. They find out that they're one what was it fifteen billion dollars in debt versus how much assets they have? It's okay for companies to fail. Like people need to be n- right. noticed that it's okay for them to fail. Um, with new failure comes a chance for new companies to form up. Or like in the case of like Hostess, they got bought out by a new person, a new investor, and then they came back stronger than ever. Hundred percent. I uh, I'm a big believer in that. Right. 
like uh, the last time we had car companies threatening to go under and we did the bailouts. The people that were going to buy a car are going to buy a car already, right? Uh, yeah. Give or right. take a few people, but uh, on, this, on the macro scale, it's just not going to matter. Well, you know, and even then, right, like how much of that bailout money ended up ultimately like, you know, providing bonuses for, you know, CEOs and board members and stuff like that versus actually back into the people that would make the economy move faster, which is the working class, you know? Yeah. Um, and that that's always been one of my issues with bailing out, you know, Wall Street, you know, the car manufacturers, you know, any any corporation, right? Like that money should go to the people who are going to be the consumers. Because if we can put that money back into the economy, you'll have the investors to come and invest to, to buy that, you know, like, let's say just, you know, like Ford failed, went bankrupt. I guarantee you people would buy a factory and start making vehicles there, you know? A hundred percent. One hundred percent. Mazda and Toyota right there. I guarantee you they'd buy right. it up. Or Tesla. And the number you know, of cars uh, sold in the country, would I don't think, would actually change that much because the number of people that are in the market for a car are in the market for a car, right? If Ford right, can't sell right. them a car, that's fine. They're just going to buy one from somebody else. Right. I mean, you know, as somebody that did car sales for a very short amount of time, thankfully, um, like, that's right. Like, the vast majority of buyers are not there to buy a car from that manufacturer. They're there to see what the, the can, where can they get the best deal on, on a car. Uh, that said, uh, if I had to think of a way to make this work, I don't know. Uh, there's a few ways I think that could be done better. The biggest one, in my opinion, though, uh, hinges on what Justin was talking about earlier, that recycling is always the best way you know, to keep old stuff still going. Yep. So I would suggest yeah. uh, some way of incentivizing the OEMs, potentially. Uh, or dealerships, if not the OEMs, to take some old stuff that's close to being serviceable and get it back to serviceable and on the road. Like like a tax break incentivization? Yeah. Hmm. I don't, like, I mean, I, I get what you're intending with that, Steve, and like, I agree with it to a certain point. I just think it would be really hard to implement in that way, right? Yeah, for um, sure. Like, like, I think I'm one of the, I don't know, rarities for, for most people. Like, like the newest vehicle in my driveway is 2004, right? And it, you know, has just under 200,000 miles on it, you know. And then I've got, you know, a, a diesel truck that has almost, what, 320. Um, and then a Toyota that has three i think 340 on it now um and realistically like i just keep those up because like i chose specific vehicles that i knew were going to be serviceable um knowing full well that i'd have to do work on them right but i feel like that's and, the people right um that's why i was suggesting on it because like uh i have no doubt in my mind that I don't know, pick, uh, actually, I think all of us, except for maybe Craig, have had experience with Corollas. Yeah. That you could take a, uh, a mostly beat, you know, 300K Corolla 
and slap a remand engine and trans into it, like on a, a full subframe remand. Yeah. And get like another 100K out of it, no problem. I mean, we did. I have experience with the uh, Saturn SL1. We were built the engine ourselves for less than $300 and took an $800 Saturn, made it a $2,000 Saturn. <laughs> right. It was still worth $800. Um, yeah. Um, well, and I mean, and I agree with that, but I think that's something that's more driven out of necessity than want, right? Um, and I think most people, you know, like, like they look at that and they look at like driving the older vehicles and they're like, well, this isn't the status symbol I want to show to people. That's fair. There's a lot of people that are status driven. Uh, yeah. right. but those aren't the ones that are in desperate need of a vehicle to get like, they don't need a new vehicle or need a functioning vehicle to go to work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, um, I don't know. Like, I feel I like that's a problem with a program like this that, you know, like we're that the powers that be are ultimately intending to like revive the economy or to revive a failing business. Like without just basically dumping money at it, there's not a good way to do it. You know, that's, that's a fair point. Uh, on that, uh, I think that's about where we're going to wrap this one up at. Uh, for all the listeners out there, right? If you got some ways on, uh, you know, thoughts on cash for clunkers, the original or the discussions that have been going around about a new stimulus program of some variety to get the automotive manufacturers going. Uh, if you got some good ideas on uh, ways you think it could work, feel free to drop us a line. We will, you know, look into this at a future point. We may do another episode on it if we get a bunch of stuff that none of us have thought about. Oh, for sure. Uh, any wrapping up thoughts, Justin? Oh, yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think that's good. You know, I think, you know, I think that discussion should be more about, you know, how to help people versus corporations with it. Yeah, for sure. That's always a question. Right. <laughs> Every time it starts going through middleman, money gets wasted and nothing good happens. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, um, Oh, I think I think that's where we're going to end it off for man. today. Yeah, I appreciate I you all for great. listening. And uh, yeah, this this topic is very touchy on me. I, I don't like any sort of higher up governmental uh, intervention on the day to day to keep the market free, so to speak. And I'm pretty sure all you libertarians out there would probably also agree as well. But what I can say is that we can all do our part in trying to keep the stuff alive. Um, definitely voting when the option comes up to keep stuff open and active. Um, I might start an own t-shirt company now or a t-shirt that says keep, you know, make junkyards great again. Make junkyards <laughs> support great again. Uh, we try to keep political stuff off the channel, but I'm with it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but in, in that case, go out to the junkyards and go reinvest into society and keep your cars, keep your cars on the road. Go break some knuckles. Keep stuff running. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Go break some knuckles. Yeah. Good night, everybody.